it's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing blessing of God when Jesus Christ isn't only your Lord, but when he's Lord of your whole family. Uh, all parents have hopes and dreams for their kids, true? You've all got hopes and dreams for your kids? Yeah? Most of us want to give our kids every opportunity that, that we can and we want to see them achieve to the very best of their ability. But you know, sometimes in our desire to see that happen, sometimes um, when we push them to, to be the very best that they can and achieve the very best they can, sometimes we do that to their detriment and to the detriment of the family. And the reason I say that is because today the opportunities are so vast and our standards of excellence, our standards at which we hope for our children to be able to achieve at are so high that, that not only to excel but to even be at all competitive in, in the activities that are available to us requires an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of commitment and energy. The standards that we expect and have come to see have just grown exponentially. For example, in 1956, the world record for 100 metres of freestyle was 55.4 seconds. It won a gold medal at the Olympics. 13-year-olds can swim faster than that today. Isn't that incredible? Just the, the level of achievement that, that, we're, that people are pushing to these days. And, and it's just, and this standard is there for, in everything. Our young people are being driven harder and harder and harder, either by themselves or by their parents or by their coaches. And it's not only in sport. Their opportunities are endless, be they academic or music or ballet or public speaking, whatever it is. All of these things are available for our kids and the standards are just getting higher and, and their level of commitment to be able to achieve at these things is getting higher and higher. And some f parents find themselves driving their kids in two ways. They drive them to keep going, to achieve this standard of excellence so that they can be competitive. We, we drive them so that, so that they can be near the top of the tree. And we hop in our motor vehicles and we drive them all over the countryside so that they can get to all of their commitments that they need. As a parent, and specifically as a Christian parent, I decided a long time ago, yes, I want my kids to do well in whatever field they choose, but there's only one area that I'm going to drive them. I'm going to urge them and drive them and push them and encourage them in one area, towards the Lord Jesus Christ. The one thing that I desire for my kids, if I, if I had to give up everything else, the one thing that I desire for my kids is for them to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Lord and Saviour. And I think I can tell you this in front of them without it being a surprise to them. I think they actually know that. Do your kids know that about you? Do they know by what you do and by what you say? Do they know by in the things that you encourage them in um, and what you teach them and, and how you drive them and push them, do they know that about you? That your biggest desire for your kids is for them to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ.
Kids, do you know that about your parents? We parents, our biggest desire and our biggest prayer for our kids are to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Billy Sunday was a very well-known evangelist a long time ago in the 1900s, uh, early 1900s, 10, 1910, 1920, around that time. Um, and sadly, he shared the heartbreak that many Christian parents feel and he said, the tragedy of my life is that although I've led thousands of people to Jesus Christ, my sons are not saved. Imagine how you'd feel being this famous evangelist. You've led thousands of people to Christ, but your sons weren't saved. And many Christian parents feel this same heartache, the heartache that their children aren't saved. And we've just got to keep praying and praying for them, uh, knowing that even in spite of our best efforts, ultimately it's up to our children whether they accept or reject him. Um, And this is a message for you kids as well. As your parents encourage you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately... The decision is going to be between you and God. And it's going to be up to you whether you accept Christ as your Lord and Saviour and whether you accept this faith as the way that you're going to live your life. It won't be up to your parents in the end. It'll be up to you. And that's why it's important for you to be listening and learning about God even now. Letting the Word of God take root in your heart. Now, I've introduced this topic in this way because for many of us that's what we think of when we think of family members who are not yet saved. We often think of the wayward child or whatever who who needs Christ. Now, I don't know why this is. Probably it's because we parents feel a responsibility for our children more than children feel a responsibility for their parents. But for most of us here today, we would have a loved one who is not saved. It might be a mother or a father, a brother or a sister, a close aunt or uncle or a cousin who is not saved. Most of us would have that in our lives. And you know what? You're not alone. When Jesus was ministering, as far as we can see in the Bible, it was only when he was crucified that Mary really makes an appearance in a good way. And it was only when he was raised from the, from the dead that his brothers believed. In fact, his family were actually a bit of a barrier to Jesus in his ministry. We're told in John chapter 7, verse 5, not even his brothers believed in him. And in Mark, when the crowds started flocking to Jesus... His family tried to take him away. Oh, he's gone crazy. They tried to take him out of the spotlight. Oh, look, he's gone mad. I think they're probably actually a bit embarrassed by him. Jesus' own family didn't believe in him and his own family desperately tried to restrain him from his religious activities. You can imagine it, can't you? Like, look, Jesus... Don't, don't go doing so much stuff to draw attention to yourself. We, we just want you to be a normal person. You can imagine that, hey? And the sad truth of the matter is sometimes families will put pressure on someone to pull back from their commitment to Christ. And it depends on your family of origin and on your culture what form that pressure will take. 
So if my family are, are committed Christians, then they might be very happy for me to become a Christian. But if my family were Muslims, they might actually turn me into the authorities or maybe even try to murder me themselves for becoming a Christian because I've brought dishonour upon the family, because I've, I've broken the laws of, of Islam. If your parents come from a Christian culture but aren't really committed Christians themselves, they, well, they might be happy for you to get a little bit of religion, they might be happy for you to go to church once a week or maybe once a month, they might start getting a little bit worried about you if you start taking this religious thing all just a little bit too seriously. If Jesus Christ seems to be coming, seems to be becoming the main focus in your life and, and you just seem to be letting this whole Christian thing take over your life and, the, and, and your attitudes and the way you're, you're living. And they might start to get a bit worried about you at that stage. And there have been many young people who felt called to the mission field, called by Christ to go to Bible college, called by Christ to the ministry or to become missionaries or youth workers and it's been their families who have discouraged them and have put the brakes on. You're too young. Don't rush into this. You've got your whole life in front of you. Don't go doing anything rash. You've got your whole life to choose to go and do this. You, you, know, you should go and get your education first. Go to university, get your, get your career in order, get married, settle down, get a job, buy a house. And God only knows, and I say this with all sincerity, God only knows how many people have failed to answer his call to ministry because they've been discouraged by their families. Families have held them back from obeying Christ and in such have caused them to disobey. I remember a minister that we had one time in our church telling us, giving in his message, uh, saying, you know, he said, oh, nobody should go into the ministry unless it's the last thing that they can do. And... Oh, I know the point that he was making. I think the point that he was trying to make was be sure of your call. But the way he said it and the way that he presented it was just the thing which says this is the worst thing in the world that you can do is go into the ministry following Christ in that way. You see, a message like that causes people to delay their call from Christ. And let me tell you, delayed obedience, there's a word for that, disobedience. That's right. We should be encouraging one another. We should be encouraging our families. We should be encouraging our young people. If Christ calls you, go and go now. Yeah, if Christ is calling you to, to a ministry in this town, start it. If Christ is calling you to go to Bible college, go. If Christ is calling you to be a preacher to other nations, go and we'll support you. That's how we should be. I heard a story once told by another minister. He, he said that there's this young lad came to talk to him because he didn't know what to do. This young um, late teenager had felt that God was calling him to go and be a missionary overseas but his parents told him that he couldn't go. 
oh look, you'll be too far away and, and we'll never get to see you. you. We'll only get to see you once every four or five years. How could you do that to us? And so the minister went to visit this boy's parents um, who were actually part of his church as well. And, um, and he said to him, when your son was born, did you take him to church to be dedicated to God? Oh yes, of course we did. Why then are you taking him back when 18 years ago you gave him to God? Why are you trying to take him back? And they wept. And then they began to encourage their son. Go and we'll support you. And you know what? They could trust God with their son because we know that wherever we go in the world, we've got family. He didn't have to stay in his hometown to be with his family. When he was following God, he had family wherever he went. Matthew twelve forty six. While Jesus was still speaking to the people, behold, look, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Now, Jesus wasn't disrespecting his family. And neither does Jesus want us to do that. He doesn't want us to cut ourselves off from our family or desert our family. What Jesus was doing is he's showing us a truth. When you become a Christian, your DNA changes. Not literally, of course. But the substance of what makes you up changes. When you become a Christian, you have a new family. You have new family values to live by. And you have a new father, your father in heaven. And these new family values that you inherit by becoming a Christian, well, sometimes they might conflict with our old family's values. And stretching out his hands towards his disciples, Jesus said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus pointed to his disciples. He said, here's my family. He said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my family. You've heard that saying, blood is thicker than water? Yeah? Well, the blood of Jesus shed on Calvary's hill is the blood, is the glue that binds his family together. And wherever you go in the world, when you find another bunch of believers, when you find another group of disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who are doing the will of your heavenly Father, you have found family. You might be a widow or a widower. You might be an only child. You might be estranged from your family and they don't want to have anything at all to do with you. You might be divorced or a single mum. Or maybe someone in the family has abused you. Or maybe you're just someone who feels all alone. Feels you've, I've never had friends, I still don't have friends now. In Christ, 
You have family. You're not alone any longer. In Christ, you have a family. Look around you. This is your family. Sadly though, sometimes the church is like a dysfunctional family. The key here I think is verse 50. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Even as Christians, there's always something which is tempting us away from the Father's will. When we're following the Father's will, we're brought together as family. I was just struck by something just the other day. Over the years, I've gone to many church gatherings and and, um, I've been to quite a few where, to be quite frank, I've felt totally at odds with the people who have been there. I've gone away to church gatherings, church meetings, and and I just didn't feel that I at all belonged or that they belonged to me as as part of the Christian family. And I think the reason is because in those gatherings we, we... We weren't together as people who shared the same DNA. We didn't believe the same things about Christ. We didn't believe the same things about sin, judgment and salvation. And so therefore we didn't share the same belief about what Christ has actually done for me and just how valuable what Christ has done on the cross for us is. And so we just didn't feel as family. We spent more time arguing rather than agreeing in Christ. And I had to contrast this with what I experienced in a very powerful way only a few weeks ago. I went down to Sydney to a Christian conference, the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. I hardly knew anybody there. I had, before I got there, I had met three people and I really didn't know them. I'd met them. But at every meal, as we sat down, I would sit down with somebody different at every single meal and within a few minutes of sharing with each other, with every single person I spoke to, within a few minutes I knew we were on the same page. I knew we were worshipping the same God. I knew we both had the same Father, our Father in heaven. I knew that these people were my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And more often than not, as we got up, to finish, as we'd finished the meal and we got up to leave, before we got up, we'd pray. And we'd pray for each other. We'd had a family meal together and we'd shared the conversation with the head of the family, our Heavenly Father. Now, I haven't got rose-coloured glasses on. I know that these people still have their faults and the same as sometimes I'm a dismal failure as a Christian. But we had the same father. And that made us family. And you've probably gone away and maybe you've moved town, maybe you've visited another church in another town and and, and had an instant connection with people. That's your family. People who you've probably never even met before, inviting you home for lunch or whatever. The family of Christ. Now, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Um, In a normal world, you might never even consider having a peculiar person like me as your friend. But I've got news for you. (laughs) You 
You have to love me. Tiana, you have to love me. <laughs> because we've got the same dad. Our Father in heaven. Have a look around you. I actually want to see some necks turning here, folks. Have a look around you. Yep. Turn it more than that. You might actually have to turn that far. You might even have to swivel your hips. I want you to see every person in this room. Strange, aren't they? My, you're a strange lot. They're your family. And your family's bigger than that. This is just your family gathering at the moment. These people love you. I hope you know that. But even better than that, Jesus loves you. Jesus is your brother. You are his sister or his brother or his mother. Isn't that wonderful? I I, I was starting to try to think about this. Okay, well, how do I decide? It's easy to decide if you're Jesus' brother, you're a bloke. But how are the ladies going to decide? Now, would I be considered Jesus' sister or mother? Um, I think if you're over 33, because they reckon it was about 33 when Jesus died. I reckon if you're over about 33, then maybe you can class yourself as his mother. Or maybe you need to be 33 plus about 16, because that would put you about Mary's age. Sorry? Yeah. Let's go 33 plus 16. You think I should stop? I always... I always listen to my wife when she says stop, I just stop, particularly when I know that I'm already in deep water. But isn't it wonderful that you are his brother or sister or mother? But there is one thing that puts strain on the relationship of Christ's family and that is disobedience. When there is disobedience in any family... It puts strain on that family. True? Yeah? When we fail to do the will of our Heavenly Father, this puts strain on our relationship with Christ. It puts strain on our relationship with our Heavenly Father and it puts strain on our relationship with each other. And if a church isn't getting along, if the members of that church are not loving one another, if the members of that church are not relating to one another as brothers and sisters, if we're not including one another in our love and in our fellowship, and that doesn't mean just your friends. You might say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, we include people. But you're actually only including your close friends. You know there's a difference between friends and family? Yeah? In the church, if you're not including your family, if you're not loving your family, if the church family itself seems to be becoming a little bit dysfunctional, usually that's a sign of some kind of disobedience. Now, we live in a culture of disobedience where usually what I think is what I do or what I feel is the way I'm going to go. We live in this culture of disobedience. And we bring that into the church. We bring that into our church family. And we need to repent of that and receive the forgiveness of Christ for the good of the family so the family can be united as one.
Stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have loved us so much that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to save us. We thank you that you love us so much that you adopted us as your children. You didn't have to. You chose to. You chose us as your children. You chose us to be able to be made holy and perfect in your sight. You chose us to be your sisters and brothers. Heirs along with Christ. And we thank you. Heavenly Father, help us to live as your obedient disciples. Help us to love one another. Help us to to be filled. Lord, fill us with a love for your family. And Lord, we pray for our own earthly families. We pray for those who have not yet been saved. We pray that in your mercy you would lead them to the saving grace of Christ and that they would in your perfect timing receive Christ as their own personal Lord and Saviour. Lord, we pray for those in our families who are also our Christian brothers and sisters and we thank you for them. We thank you for the wonderful blessing that it is to be part of the family of Christ together. Lord, help us to encourage one another, to encourage one another on in obedience to Christ. Let us never be a blockage to your will, but may we be encouragers and supporters of all brothers and sisters who are following your will. And Lord, we pray for this church and for the Christian church in this district. Lord, fill us with the love of Christ for one another as we urge one another on in obedience to our Heavenly Father for the sake of our brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.